This is what's great about sports. You play to win the game. I win here and I win there. Now what? This is great about sports. You, you play to win the game. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in once again. This is the Win Column Podcast. Uh, this is uh, Internet Space. I uh, have Sleek with me as always. Go ahead and say something to the people. The people. What's up, Trump? All right, all right, all right. What's up, people? Um, Listen, we're going to have a fun show. Um, today's show, we're going to actually look back on some of my predictions. Uh, I decided to... Way back in what was it, June? Uh, no, it was May. May. Yeah, May tenth. Yeah, Even earlier than that, I decided to hop out there with some NFL uh, predictions, um, just based on all the information I had. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to be that guy to say, you know what? Look, um, I don't, I don't care. I don't need to see anything. This is what I believe is going to happen because I think that, like, if you can be right in May then you're really right. You know what I mean? And and this was all just a test of, you know, how, how good is my sports knowledge? So listen, what I want to do is go ahead and just keep it real with the people. We're four games in. So we're a quarter, uh, we're a quarter of a way through the season. It's no better time than to look back and see uh, what predictions of mine are looking good, which ones are looking horrible. Um, what you think, Sleep? Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's just absolutely no. Everybody does it. You know, we always, with excitement uh, for, for the uh, approaching football season, I think everybody has premature uh, uh, thoughts on, on what they think is going to happen. And I think it's only fair the fact that you decided to write about it, put it out there and the, uh, for everyone to see, um, definitely put some pressure on you. But, look, this is this is normal. We can't really identify a whole lot unless we look at things four weeks out, you know. So here we are, first quarter uh, of the season is in the books. Let's yep. see how those, prediction, those predictions uh, panned out for you. What, so what, what is the most surprising uh, thing that you think you were right about? What, what, what were you right about that you're proud of? Better way of saying it. Um, you know what? When it, when, it, when it comes to that, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of torn, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm torn on which one it is. And I think I th- that it's my prediction about the Patriots. Um, just to go back to my predictions, okay, I think I have this right through four games. I had the Patriots being a 10 and 16, which sounds like blasphemy. But I had a feeling that this would happen. And as I spoke about this in the last show, the biggest reason why is because I felt as though the way that the Patriots – uh, were played in the playoffs. Um, they had tough battles with the Jaguars. They ended up losing to the Eagles. I felt like the mystique is wearing off. You've also had some stories, you know, come out from ESPN that are saying there's problems in the Patriots' paradise. I kind of just had somewhat of a feeling that the mystique is wearing off, and I really do feel like the Patriots have rolled that mystique for quite a while. And then just as far as getting on the field, I just felt like this wasn't a good defense. Um, and I and I don't think that, you know, I think that it was just going to be a little bit hard for these guys to overcome the issues on defense because when teams aren't playing scared anymore, which means they aren't just trying to sit on the ball if they get a two-touchdown lead or a two-possession lead, 
when that when those t- kind of things happen, that means that the defense has to deal with an aggressive team, or an, an aggressive offense, which I just don't think that they're built for. Um, I, they're built for playing with leads. Um, and when they don't have the lead, they're used to the team that has the lead wanting to run the ball, keep Brady off the field, playing con- playing really conservatively and helping them get back in the game. And so far, I feel like that's been one of the things that's affected this team from a mystique standpoint is that every team that they're playing now is ultra aggressive. It just seems as though the aggression on both sides of the ball is just something that the the Patriots are having to deal with. I expect them to be able to deal with it at some point. And with them also getting, you know, healthier, um, these guys – um, well, not technically healthier, but Edelman is coming back from suspension uh, this week. Um, Gronk is a little banged up, but he'll continue to get healthy to trade for, for Josh Gordon. The defense still sucks, but I think at standing at two and two now, um, which is kind of unprecedented for these guys, um, losing four more games is something I could see. No, indeed. I, I think we touched on this last week, and you bring up a good point where I really like uh, they are forced to play offense and defense at a high level uh, now. Uh, people realize that if they just stick to their game plan and they score a couple touchdowns, if they strike first, if you strike first against the Patriots, then you're likely to stretch that game out a bit these days. Maybe not with uh, – it, it looks like it doesn't get into shootouts as much anymore um, at this stage. And so they have some things to figure out. And like I said, you bring up a good point that they are used to getting up on you so that they – force you into a being becoming a one-dimensional team. And that hasn't been the case. Uh, teams are able to uh, enforce their style of football on these guys, and, and the Patriots for once have to respond. Uh, so this is this – is, uh, it's not necessarily uncharted waters for them. So like you said, I think that they will be able to bounce back and uh, start to adapt to what's going on with uh, the teams that are playing, you know, how they're playing, how aggressive they're playing. They're going to match that aggression at some point. Now, can they take it all the way? I, I personally feel that there are other teams like, I, you know, early once the season started, I think it was week two, uh, I picked pay, uh, Patriots to lose to the Jaguars. I think Jaguars are a team that, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel that they're a dark horse. I think their record speaks for itself and their style of play speaks for itself. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that's a team that could totally – tarnish that mystique of the Patriots altogether and then you start looking at other football teams really start to take over the reins in in the AFC yeah man I uh, certainly agree with you uh the Jaguars are kind of gunning for everybody that's a that's a very boisterous team seems scared of nobody and you know like I like I said I mean we're we're just four weeks in I don't want anybody coming at me I think about these Patriots but the fact that they've struggled a little bit is certainly something that I predicted um To talk about a couple other things that I, I, I think I got right, um, <laughs> but in a more so negative way, I had the Oakland Raiders being five and eleven. Um, looks like looks like I'm going to be right about that, um, especially um, when one of the things that I harped on for the reason why I didn't believe in this team um, being John Gruden, um, I wouldn't call myself someone who was a, you know, that was you know, low on John Gruden is what he is as a coach. Um, There's a lot of people who said, you know, he won with Dungy's team. Um, If it weren't for the fact that he were playing the Raiders in the Super Bowl um, when he was the first year uh, head coach for Tampa Bay, just coming from Oakland, there's a lot of people, there's that, you know, rumor out there that 
Tampa Bay knew everything that Oakland was going to do because they didn't change much of anything about their offense when Gruden left. All those things are out there. But I think this is a smart offensive coach. I think that his history kind of shows that. I don't think there's any reason to believe that this guy's incompetent coaching, but I do believe the time that he spent away from the game, I think that he could have applied that in a better way um, because he's still been around the game as an announcer, um, having a lot of act access. Um, and I just think he kind of fumbled it because his ego kind of got in the way and you could kind of see this coming with the moves, the draft that they had. Um, by the time I wrote that article, uh, they had not traded Khalil Mack, but that just, you know, added more fuel to the fire of what I thought, um, you know, was possible as far as John Gruden maybe having too much ego to maybe try to ride the waves of the changes of the game rather than go against that that current. Um, he's tried to go against the current. It has not worked out. I don't think there's really any way that you could, you know, really argue with that. Now, he inherited a bad defense, you know? Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But I don't think that he inherited a bad offense. Um, didn't click on all cylinders last year, but um, he has a guy that you can rely on that quarterback. Probably not as good of a quarterback as I expected him to be to this point. Um, hopefully he didn't peak, but it looks like Derek Carr, you know, isn't quite becoming what maybe, you know, I thought he could be and what many thought he could be. He has his um, moments, you know, he has his moments, you know, uh, but, he has, but he hasn't evolved as, uh, as you're alluding to. Um, but part of that being the team has been kind of in fray and it is a new scheme. Uh, so those kind of things can, uh, you know, we will see a delayed advancement of a quarterback and, and his, you know, what his knowledge is, you know, so it's a tough position, certainly a tough, even tougher position that he's put in having John Gruden, in. but they seem like they're getting along. Uh, but yeah, you speak to some, some, some good points where uh, how is this going to, how is John Gruden ultimately going to adapt? I think that's the, the big question. I think that's what you're really asking. Um, especially you're stating that when you predict him to go five and 11, um, oh, uh, one and three is definitely, I mean, not that they can't turn it around, um, but that's definitely not the division that is is, is likely, you know. Um, right. I mean, you're staring down 5-11 and 11 in that yeah. division for sure, you yeah. know what I mean, or worse. I think you're right about that. I mean, the Broncos at 2-2 two and two don't look like the strongest team, but right. certainly a weak team. Defense is still good enough. Offense can move the ball. Um, Chargers – you know, just underachieving as always is what they do in the beginning of the season. Uh, (laughs) This is just kind of who they are, um, but still a supremely talented team. Um, And then you have what the Chiefs are doing. These guys have to do something fast. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, Gruden kind of cut off his nose to spite his face here. Um, And I'm not surprised um, that, you know, it's coming back to bite these guys. And, to roll into the NFC, being that I spoke about two AFC teams already, um, let's not, you know, leave out the NFC. One of the things that I got right, similar to the Patriots, is, is another team coming off the Super Bowl win. Uh, the Eagles are sitting at two and two, and I kind of kind of expected this one as well. Um, let me hop back over. I guess I'm not fast enough to the end. I have them at 11 and five, um, which – Make, 
you may say, so how does that make you right? Um, but it's more so about some of the expectations um, that I have for these for these guys. Um, as far as what what I'm seeing right now is kind of what I expected. Um, they were 13 and three last year. So for me to predict 11 and five means that I actually expected them to take a step back. And what I'm seeing is a team that is taking a bit of a step back. Um, you're talking about that transition, you know, from from Nick Foles to Carson Wentz. I expected that to, to play a part. And I, I just think that when you win a Super Bowl, it's kind of hard for you um, to increase the record that you have from last year, better your record. Um, and just be a better team overall, um, you may feel like you are. These guys may be in practice saying, hey, we are just as good as we, we were last year, and they may be. But just as teams just play you harder, they study what you do more. Um, also, teams copy what you do. So many teams have practiced against their – so many defenses have now practiced against their offense – week in and week out through training camp, through OTAs during the run pass option. So the Eagles have no longer, they're no longer being able to come to the table with something that's, you know, um, you know, not used as often and maybe teams aren't ready for. So, you know, just in that regard, I just expected somewhat of a step back here. Still a good team though. I still expect these guys to be decent enough. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Because 11 and 5 is certainly not a major drop off and certainly it's not. It's not. It's also likely not to totally take them out of contention to win the NFC's title. Um, but what do you think? Do you think that this the the character of this team is that of which, say, if it was eleven and five, ten and six, it could still make another run to the Super Bowl? Certainly. I mean, I I certainly believe that, especially. Um, especially just in the fact that once you get to the to the show, it's all about who's hot. Um, and I think that's who they were last year. Um, they were a good team, a great team at 13 and three. You know, I hate to make them sound like, you know, the team that backed in and just got hot, but they certainly got hotter if that's possible once the the playoffs started. Um, so at the end of the day, they've proven that they're a team that can ev- elevate their play. They went from a 13 and three pace to playing like a team that was undefeated. Right. Um, They really just took on all challenges. And what they did to the Vikings in the AFC championship game is not something that I would have predicted. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. So at the end of the day, this is certainly a team that could still make a run. um, But I just think they'll have some bumps and bruises trying to get there simply because teams just play you so hard when when you're the Absolutely. Everybody's gunning for you, marked in. You know, the teams, you know, if, if that team beats the champs, and that's a big win that can carry momentum for that that ball club. But right. I feel that uh, the I character. That kind of, I, I hate to cut you off. I just want to say this really quick. I always thought that that was like just one of those things that people in the media say. Um, and then, you know, my team, the Ravens won in 2012. And, you know, it's not like that's the first time they won, but I was older. You know, I was I was young when they won in uh, 2000. I was in middle school still. So my my focus on the game wasn't the way it was in 2012 when they won. And I could notice the change in how teams played the Ravens in the 2013 season compared to how they played them in 2012 leading up to the Super Bowl. So just want to throw that out there. I think it's a real thing. Oh, yeah. You, you see it in basketball. Uh, Golden State doesn't have an easy game. You know, everybody's right. coming there to – take their shot at the, at the champs and, you know, often they fall short, but 
hey, if you get a win like that, that can change the whole psychology of the coaching staff, the players. They suddenly have a belief in themselves that they may not have had before. And certainly, you know, they're all professionals. There's an element of pride and they're all alpha males out there that want to show why they're the best. They think they're the best even if they're on a losing team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's definitely bragging rights if you can knock off the champs. But uh, when I look at Philadelphia, uh, I certainly feel that there is something special there. Um, just having their, uh, you know, their court. I mean, Carson Wentz was two games away from just securing MVP uh, opportunity. And uh, I don't know why, if that's necessarily uh, out of the realm of possibilities even so this year. Um, and I just think when you have that kind of dynamic between coaching staff or head coach and, and quarterback and those two relations, that relationship has to flourish the most, I think. And uh, I think that opportunity is still there. These bumps and bruises are going to build character for them. Maybe not produce a long-term situation because bumps and bruises do become, uh, it can, it can take you out the league. But um, I feel that this team, this ball club really has something special here as far as character is concerned and uh, can beat anybody on any given Sunday, um, especially come playoff time. I think they have built that. I think they have that kind of fortitude. Yeah, I I don't think you could be more right um, in that sense. So um, with that being said, I'll take – I'll talk about one final team as far as something that I think I got right. Um, And, you know, my actual – my now, my actual statements I'm gonna to have to throw out there. What are you gonna say? Now this is NFC or AFC. This is NFC again. We gotta stay in the NFC at this particular time. Um I'm going to the Detroit Lions. Okay. And I tried to make a little joke um when I when I predicted the record. I put these guys at five and eleven. Mm-hmm. Um and uh what well, I know, did, <laughs> if if this is supposed to be in the tune of, you know, the Ghostbusters and it's when you need a change because your team ain't good, who are you going to call? A Belichick assistant. Yeah. yeah. And I know that's corny as hell, but what I was kind of thinking about is just the fact that every team, uh, there's always that team out there that is ready to make the mistake of hiring a Belichick assistant and expecting um, you Belichick know, results. Right. Turn into the New England Patriots. Right. And, and, you know, the thing about it is, is it a mistake in, 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 in and of itself? No. I mean, some of the better coaches come from, you know, cultures and, you know, uh, football ideologies that tend to really breed success. Um, at the end of the day, when you when you look at um, what we've seen, you know, from the Andy Reid coaching tree, you know what I mean? Uh, the Don Coryell coaching tree, uh, what we've seen from the Bill Walsh coaching tree um you know well really Andy Reid is a part of the Bill Walsh country but anyway um we've seen you know very successful coaches who are bred in this football ideology I think the difference between the Belichick's though is that part of the Belichick mystique is um just a just a stern a sternness just a stone-faced stoic kind of nature but it's come through a lot of winning and it was with him before even the Patriots I mean this guy was on the path to turning the Browns around um I don't think he was always a great head coach to be honest um there's a lot of blemishes on his record if you if you really go in and look at it um before Tom Brady um took the field uh the year before uh the Patriots struggled 
um, under Belichick. They were already struggling um, before Tom Brady came out. And ever since Tom Brady, his his career path as a head coach has been completely different. But still, this is a guy who is the defensive coordinator of great Giants defenses. Of course, he had some of uh, uh, one of the great defensive players all time in, in, in LT. But at the same time, I mean, you got to get this guy a lot of credit, just a great football mind. I'm not sure if he shares the football mind with everyone. So I'm not sure if his – I'm not sure if the guys – that he surrounds himself with are really have the football understanding that he does. So I think that what they try to take with him is that take with them to other teams is the attitude. And that attitude was earned, you know, and these guys haven't earned it And teams. You hear the same stories. Every time one of Belichick's guys goes to a new place. Um, a lot of times they start fighting for too much power in the organization and they're not liked by the front offices and they end up imposing too many rules and restrictions on the players and they're not liked by their players. Um, it's all these guys have ran into this except for Ron, Romeo Cornell. Um, so at the end of the day, I just felt like this was a mistake, but more so than more so than just all the things that I said, um, the biggest reason that I think this is a mistake is because when we talk about the person specifically, I don't think Matt Patricia knows what the hell he's doing. You know what I mean? I'm just being honest about that. Um, I said that in the article. Um, I was very open about that um, and because I truly do believe in it. Um, I, I, Belichick is the defensive coordinator for the Patriots, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, he's allowed other guys to make plays and things like that, but he's a defensive mind more than anything. Um, this team goes by his direction. Uh in the Super Bowl, when they struggled, you saw Belichick going over to the defensive players. Whenever the defense struggles, you always see him taking that leadership role with the defense. I always felt like the deaf side of the ball is kind of his. Matt Patricia, I, in, in my honest opinion, is just a guy. Um, I, I've never seen anything from me that from him that led me to believe that he could run a football team. And I just kind of knew that this wasn't going to go well. And so far, I don't think it is. And the last thing I'll say, because I don't want to filibuster too much, one thing that's really frustrating me about Matt Patricia is there's those little things, like I said, when you just – I don't think he knows what he's doing and I don't think he has his own identity. Um, the Lions have a rookie, a young rookie running back named Carrion Johnson. Unexplicably, he is splitting carries with LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt is averaging 2.1 yards per carry. Carrion Johnson is averaging 5.7. Then they're also using Theo Reddick on third downs and passing situations, who is also hot garbage. The team is one in three, and Matt Patricia comes out to the media and says, well, we already think that Carrion is getting, you know, maybe even too many carries already. What are you talking about? He just had the first 100-yard rushing game by a Lions running back since Reggie Bush did it in 2014. You dumb asshole. If you want to win games, give it to your best player. To me, that shows that this is a guy who just thinks that, well, when I played in New England, we, we gave the ball to LeGarrette Blunt, James White, um, Deion Lewis, um, my sister, the ball boy, mm -hmm. um, guy who washes the jerseys. That was New England, you dumbass. Give the ball to your best players or lose games. I just – I mean, like, in my opinion – this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's some young dude.
that was probably cleaning Belichick's pool and he liked his look or something. He was like, hey, man, I fucks with the beard. You know, you look weird and fucked up like I do. Maybe we can work out. And next thing you know, he's holding the play sheet for Belichick. I, I think this was a bad hire. And I think it's not going to go well. And they may be worse than 5-11 and 11 because this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, I, I think it's a number of problems. I mean, uh, certainly those are all good points. Um, but, you know, just even in that stubbornness you speak of, uh, he could also – I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Uh, you can also be, learn uh, and, and adapt that, and realize that it's not about holding fast to a scheme. It's adapting. And uh, perhaps he'll come to that that um, revelation. But, you know, being one in three puts a lot more pressure on you to start making those adaptations now, um, which I, I don't think they'll do anyway and wouldn't have done. Um, protection problems, defensive problems. Uh, have been lurking issues with this team for the last few seasons. And until those things are addressed, uh, you know, how how can you really put this all on the um, one one part of the coaching staff, one element of the, the team? I think they have some problems that they, they haven't addressed for over 20 years, really, but I don't think they have the pieces to even turn this, this ship around anyway. Hey, man, you may be right, and I actually like that you, you know, actually, you know, made that point that he could learn. You may be absolutely right. Um, there's definitely skills he had. I mean, he has the skill of being able to, you know, pass an NFL interview and convince somebody to make him. <laughs> so today, you know, this must be a guy who has who has some 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 football smarts or some smarts of some nature, but you know I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to be really hard on him. Um, I think he's one of the worst of any Belichick assistant um, since he's been a defensive coordinator uh, with the Patriots. They were pretty. Um, they they haven't been pretty good. Um, I think a lot of that is personnel, but I think I just don't think he's a good football coach. Um, I think that I think um, as a Ravens fan, I dealt with Dean Pease, who was a guy that you know Belichick didn't fire. He doesn't fire people a lot. So it's kind of one of those, like, you know, when you get fired in politics, it's like you you come out, you do the press conference that you're stepping down, but really somebody told you that it's time to go. Um, Dean Pease is one of the few guys that that happened to in, um, in New England. Um, he came to Baltimore, happened to win a championship with us. Um, but I could always tell that this guy just did not have a good football philosophy. Um, it made It was very clear to me why it was that he did not, um, that we weren't successful um, in his tenure as defense coordinator. He's now with the Titans. Um, he's doing a horrible job with the Titans. Um, I just think, you know, Matt Patricia is is a worse defensive mind than even what Dean Pease was, and that's that's saying a lot. So um, the, tight, the, the Lions defense was actually not that bad last year. It's worse than Matt Patricia is in, in town. Uh, the offense was, you know, the bright – spot of that team um Matt Patricia comes to town it's worse um I, I don't think he knows what he's doing um so we'll see what happens so look I don't you know we've talked about this so much and the reality is I was right about more teams that I thought weren't going to be good than I was right about teams that oh, I thought yeah. were going to really be good at the end of the day and I really just want to talk about one team extensively um so what I really want to do, I just want to run through a couple things that I got uh, really wrong, uh, really short, 
But at the end, I want to spend a little bit of time expanding on one particular thing uh, that I said. So as far as some things that I definitely got wrong, um, let's, let's just start with, I thought the Giants would be better uh, than they are right now. Um, not completely shocked uh, because of, you know, I, I did say that I think that the Giants would be carried by Eli and it will fall apart by the time the playoffs came. Um, was very wrong. Had the Dolphins being one and sixteen, they're three and one right now. I don't think I was wrong about that. I think I'm only wrong about the record. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win another game. Um, <laughs> just being honest with you. Um, and you know, some of the teams that I thought were going to be really good, I still think are going to be good teams. So I'm not really. I, I, I. It's hard for me to say right now that I was wrong about these teams. I think the Steelers are probably still the best team in the AFC North. Doesn't look like they'll be a 12 and 4 team unless they go on a crazy run. Um, still think the Chargers um, are one of the best teams in the AFC. Um, had those guys going 14 and 2, that doesn't look super likely at this point. Um, but I still think they're a good team. But at this point, I have to admit, I got that wrong as far as them being that elite. Um, I thought that they would get over kind of this like beginning of the season you know, law that they kind of go through, but injury bug hit them. Um, as always, Joey Bosa not there, um, and that's an elite player. Um, they're missing Hunter Henry at tight end, was becoming an elite player at tight end, um, things like that. Texans don't look as good as I expected. Um, this is a team that doesn't have much of an offensive line. Um, I was – I never really got onto the whole uh, Deshaun – Watkins bandwagon super hard. I felt like coming out of college, I saw some things that I didn't like as much as things that I did. Um, I feel like he's falling back to that median, a good guy, but you know, still has some room to grow. Um, so the team, but the team that I really want to take some time speaking, of, well, you know, let me also say, um, I thought the Rams would kind of be more like the the Eagles. Um, I thought this was one of those, you know dream teams that would go wrong um at this particular point i'm wrong um this is a team that i should have picked to be the 14 and 2 you know powerhouse team it looks like um as i did pick two powerhouse teams and that was the vikings at 14 and 2 and the charges at 14 and 2 look looks like i'm off on both um but the oh excuse me guys the the team that i want to kind of talk about and bounce back and forth with you is what I feel like is the weirdest prediction of all predictions that I made weird enough that I'm going to take some time out to read some expert excerpts. Have you say that word? Um, wrote excerpts. Guys. I had the Kansas city chiefs at seven and nine <laughs> and listen to this sentence and how like, right. But at the same time, wrong I am as far as record right now, I said, there are people picking the chiefs to have a surprise year and for Patrick Mayholmes to become a household name. The thing is, I can see the latter happening without the former becoming true. This is because I think the Chiefs could end up having a top 10 offense this year. They have the talent at every position. Mayholmes has the talent to be a star in an Andy Reid offense, while Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill have already proven themselves to be playmakers. They also added Sammy Watkins, who I'm not a big fan of, but he adds real, real polish to the receiver position on a team who mostly just has athletes who can catch. 
Yeah, I mean, it is kind of uh, <laughs> ambiguous. Yeah. But it's like I have them being a bad team because in the second paragraph, I go on about how I don't think they can stop anybody and it's no, and I don't think the offense will be able to bail them out of that. It's so – I just wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about this and hear your thoughts. Um, I know that you have this article in front of you too. The yeah. Chiefs are 4-0 right now, um, just three wins of what away from what I thought they would get for the whole season. Um, they're looking like one of the strongest teams in the AFC. I was right about the defense being bad. I was right about the offense being great. I was right about Patrick Mahomes being a star. Um, but I have the record all wrong. Do you have any thoughts on this one, man? Well, like I said, I mean, this was made in May, so uh... – Somebody else knows something too. If, if, if other other uh, people that had some uh, predictions said this is going to be a breakout season or a surprise season, so uh, it's almost like you did right there. You're going to have a surprise season offensively, but um, we're going to struggle defensively. I mean, that's that's simply how what the what this segment of the article states is just the record. I mean, how, how could you guess it accurately? You know, seven and nine is reasonable, being that. Um, I think you put a lot of lot of faith in in the Chargers, uh, assuming that they're gonna. You know, they haven't. The last time they were four, they were fourteen and two that that year. They lost in the AFC Championship game. I think Danny and Thompson was hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything from the Chargers in that period of time suggest that they were any better <laughs> in Kansas City. Uh, so I, I always kind of trust the Andy Reid team from in the sense of. You know, they're always going to be competitive. They always have some structure. It looks like they all enjoy playing for one another. Um, and that's always been the, the case with the Andy Reid run team. So I can't say that I'm totally surprised by uh, Kansas City's um, surge this early in the season. Um, they always seem to start off hot, even when they had Priest Holmes and such. They always seem to have some good spurts of good football um, and just tended to fizzle out within the middle or toward the end of the seasons. But Perhaps this is a special team. Uh, perhaps this, this this team is one for uh, to compete down the line, um, deep in the into December. So it's, it's to be seen. Yeah, man. I mean, I really. It's like I'm so blown that I blew that because <laughs> I wrote something that was almost prophetic. When we look at this like four year period, and I know that like. I just probably lost a lot of people because they're like, did this guy just call itself a prophet? I don't mean it that way in particular, but it's like that's that paragraph that I just read is exactly what we've seen so far from the Kansas City Chiefs. I just got it so wrong on the end of the defense. I thought the defense was so bad um, and that these teams that they were playing, as you just now said, were would be better um, considering that they had they started the year out. Um, having to go to LA to play the Chargers and to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. Um, And uh, wow. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, these guys got it done. I had them starting out 0 and 2 with that, you know, with, with that being what they had to start out with. Um, So yeah, I was, I was really wrong about that. And the funny thing is, is that, I started to read this stuff again, preparing myself to be able to talk about it. And I was kind of scared about what I would read. I had kind of forgot, uh, you know, some of the real details of what I, what I thought about the chiefs 
um, being that I did write this in May, hadn't really looked at it again um, until, you know, recently when the season started. And I'm, and I'm like, kind of like, you know, covering my eyes, you know, just kind of peeking through to see this, just how wrong I was because I knew I didn't have them as like a playoff team. Um, and then I start reading, I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know? And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I'm, I was like almost right there. All I had to do was instead say, no, this, these guys are going to be so great on offense that their defense not being able to stop teams is not going to matter because they'll get the stops when they need them. If I said that, you know, pretty much if you, if you want to win a lottery, you need to get your numbers from me because I was damn near that close. <laughs> uh, hustling, hustling numbers, man. Yeah, so man. Gonna, Something almost came out of me. Yeah, we're gonna get you one of those, uh, uh, you know, one of those uh, fortune teller turbans with the little diamond in the front of it, man. Let you like, oh, like, <laughs> let you wear that for after for the show. We're gonna make predictions every week starting next week. <laughs> man, we can try, but at this point, all I proved is that if I if I if you did get your numbers from me, I can get you know ninety percent of them right, and then that get that one or two wrong win your million dollars so you know almost there um you know but like they say you know uh you know being close doesn't matter it's about getting that win so we'll revisit this again maybe let's say at eight games maybe we can do eight games and 12 games and after 12 games we'll pretty much know you know pretty much where i am or maybe maybe we do a recap of of, of my playoff predictions at that point my power rankings don't change i set my power rankings in may they are what they are Go visit the website for that article if you want to check it out. I'll post the link to it in the description to this podcast so you guys can give it a good look and uh, just kind of see what's going on. But, you know, hey, Sleek, it sounds like it's about that time to uh, hit people with the mop of the week. Yeah, man. We both got some mops this week. Uh, Who you got for your mop of the week this week? Oh, that's an easy one. I mean, this is something that's supposed to be for players and stuff, but – uh, kind of feels like this thing is going to find a way to morph into its own thing. Um, and uh, that means that the mop of the week has to be Frank Wright, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. This man right here, though, <laughs> this man right here gave a win to the Houston Texans in overtime. Uh, we were trending towards yet another tie. Um, which would have been what the third or fourth tie? No, the fourth. Well, yeah, we got tie, Browns. Yeah, the the sixth team with the tie this year, which is like unprecedented. Um, we were going that direction. Uh, the Colts have the ball. Is th- I didn't write this stuff down and look at it. It just is in my mind. If I say some of the details wrong, don't get too mad at me. But you get the gist. The Colts have a third and short. They don't get it. They're on their own 40-yard line um, or around that. So now it's fourth down. Conventional wisdom says punt it. If they punt it, the game will pretty much be a tie. There's not much um, not much time on the clock unless, unless the Texans run that punt back or unless the Texans block the punt and able to recover it and get a field goal or a touchdown from it. This game ends in a tie. Frank Wright decides that the Colts need to go for it on fourth and one. And then on top of that, with a mobile quarterback like Andrew Luck, um, 
you know, the running game is struggling, but you have a mobile quarterback that could probably get you one yard or something like that. No, drops back to pass. I mean, it was the most inexplicable thing I've seen since the Seahawks didn't run the ball on the one-yard line against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and that was a giveaway as well when it was all said and done. Of course, predictably, they don't get the fourth down. The Texans get the ball. All they need is about five to ten yards to be in field goal range. They get those five to ten yards, kick the field goal, win the game in the closing seconds. Frank Wright, you are the mop of the week for completely fumbling what should have at least been a tie, then try to defend it by saying, I don't play for ties. But Bama, the NFL looks at ties damn near like wins. So what you did is play for an L. Mop of the week. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely some moppish behavior right there, man. Uh, and I get it. The, playing for the tie, it, it sounds weak. I mean, we're actually get, taking it back to the 50s and 60s before there was even, you know, uh, a merger. You know, it was ties, you know, ties seem more uh, – they happen more often. But my mop of the week is, it comes in the NBA. Um, and this is a guy, man. He, he could – with his antics, he could be mop of the week for generations to come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is J.R. Smith. It's no surprise. But uh word word on uh word on Twitter and such says that uh J.R. Smith will be facing some fines um if he does not cover up his supreme brand tattoo on his the back of his right leg during the regular season. Now, um you know, Supreme has seemed to be a popular brand these days i'm not as familiar i see you know i follow the shoe game and stuff like that and so i know supreme uh is in with this uh new hype beast culture you know they're big expensive brands simple stuff but the shit costs so so much i'm talking about shirts for like two three hundred dollars it's insane t-shirts to allow something that is literally just the name just the word supreme with a red background to become one of the most popular and expensive things that you can buy in, in like the culture, like leave it to us for that one. Well, it's, it's really not just us. Trust me. It's, it's a host of it. I, if, if, if anything can be said about it, it does draw cultures together because the Supreme is, 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 is uh, represented by a lot of, a lot of groups, oh, yeah. but, but I mean, I don't know about getting a tattoo of even. A, I love Nike, but I'd be damned if I get a Nike swoosh or, or anywhere on my body. This guy has at least a a foot tall Supreme tattoo on his his calf. It's you know like what I'm saying? from like the I'm like bro, his knee to his ankle damn near. <laughs> like bro, I mean, it covers his entire Achilles and stops at the the space between his calf and his back of his knee. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro. What's like, like, bro? I mean, you know, they should have never gave y'all money because that's a waste of money. You know what I'm saying, bro? And then you have the nerve to fight this, dog. The fact that you got to get fined for your body art, you are mop of the week for me, J.R. Smith. Mop of the week. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good man. That's a deserving one. What's going to happen when, like, Supreme isn't hot anymore? Because Supreme's level of hotness combined with the whackness of it, in my opinion, I mean, it's lame. I'm just being real. Um, it's my opinion. 
Like, what happens when Supreme isn't Supreme anymore and this coon has a three-foot tattoo of Supreme on the back of his leg, though? Yeah, I mean, you know, all trends die or trends fall out and then they get recycled. The thing about I will say about Supreme is like they are very versatile mm-hmm. from what I've seen in their display. They do tend to draw young and old. I've seen them promote Nas uh, on some of their clothing mm-hmm. uh, and then and flower patterns, all kinds of different patterns. It's almost like they have like a Versace kind of, you know, a skateboard Versace kind of element to it. So they have an opportunity to be something big for a long time. Um, I hope that happens. To be, yeah. This this would be like if you saw somebody walking down the street today with a FUBU tattoo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their their arm. You know what I mean? Like I hope that it doesn't become that for Jr. But I I do. I, I do. Hey, I'm gonna tell you this. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> it, it's only fitting. It's only right. It's only right. It's only right, no. I I just you know it's like J.R. Smith, Deshaun Stevenson. They're like they probably they're probably uh, they probably talk to each other every night. You know, so those are the type of, those are the type of guys they are. They're like those quirky guys in school that just could ball. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, J.R. Smith is. I'm sorry, man. Look, to get a haircut like he has it, if you were th- over thirty with a mohawk like that, man, ma. Right, and and your boy. Uh... Nick Young is in that group. Ma. You know, Lance Stevenson is in that group. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> group of like, just like, yeah. like we the oddities. Can, yeah. But they can ball, you know what I mean? And like, they're quirky enough that they can make things that shouldn't be cool, cool. You know what I mean? That's the other yeah. thing about it is that, like, you know, that, that, yeah, they're all the same kind of like, knucklehead do kind of whatever you know type type of guys I mean you hit the nail in the head on that one but yeah man uh, I think those are great mops of the week uh, yours was definitely hilarious um, and I do all types of physical things over here right now you know what I mean I'm sneezing I'm coughing I'm burping I'm yawning the whole nine um, and that just shows that it is time to end this we thank you all for joining us again all four of you um Really awesome to have you. Uh, we're going to keep this thing going um, until it's 400, to it's 4,000. Um, and then I'll just stop there. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, man, you got to dream big. Four million, I'll say. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, thanks for that. But, look, um, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, this is Internet Space. This is Sleep. And we will catch you guys for Episode 5. Peace. Peace.